You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, greetings again, everyone. You're listening to another episode of Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm your host, Doug Thorpe. Today, we're going to continue a little bit of a discussion about the entrepreneur's journey. I've got a gentleman with me who is himself a serial entrepreneur. He's been through several different uh, businesses and now uh, continues that journey but has expanded and is an angel investor and is a bit of a coach for other aspiring entrepreneurs. So we're going to just uh, dive in and uh, listen about uh, his journey. His name is Anmal Singh. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to chatting with you. Yeah, and you're out of New York City, correct? That's correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you been there most of your life? Uh, not really. I grew up in India. I was born and raised in India. And then um, 2010, I moved out to London. So stayed there for about five years. And 2015 is when I got to New York. Oh, okay. Right before all the fun begins. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, good. Well, as I alluded to, you've had a, an, an interesting journey as an entrepreneur. Tell the folks some of the, if, well, if you can, just kind of walk through the background real quick and hit the high points, and then we'll dive into other details. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I, I grew up in India, and I was there till I was 18 years old. But I always, uh, for some reason, I just was in love with New York City. You know, even uh, growing up as a child in front of my computer, I would have like, you know, pictures of the skyline, you know, all the things that a child would want, like cars, all those things. I had it in there uh, because I learned early on a vision board is something you should do. I don't know who put this in my head, but I started doing that. And then I just, you know, looked at it every single day and I made a path. Okay, what's next that I need to do? Uh, and then I, at that time, I was, you know, applying for universities and stuff in the U.S., but uh, I think they had a few more guidelines and things to do before you can come to the U.S. So I wasn't able to get in anywhere. So I said, OK, maybe I go to uh, the U.K. instead. So I started my journey there in college, uh, graduated from business uh, honors degree. And then while I was in college, I was really, really you know, curious about the stock market. I started researching, started learning more about how the stock market works. And I started trading uh, from my dorm room. And that's how my career started in the stock market, in the finance world. Uh, eventually, I was working for a prop firm, which is a like a trading firm. Uh, it was in New York City, in White, not New York City, in White Plains, in New York. And uh, I was working the, uh, for them, but remotely from my dorm room. So eventually, when I got you know uh, up the levels in the firm, I decided that, okay, maybe it's time I finally now moved to New York. So that's how my journey began in the entrepreneurship arena. Wow. Very industrious. And I'm, I'm going through my mind thinking about other stories of entrepreneurs who began in their dorm rooms, uh, you know, here locally where I am in Texas, well, probably the most famous one is Michael Dell of Dell Computer. You know, he um, ran his roommates out of the uh, adjoining bathroom suite they had. And the story is he had computer parts in the tub. You know, he was storing them there as he was building computers and selling them to people and that that's how he kind of got his start going and eventually even dropped out of college didn't even finish the program and i know uh bill gates never finished his program so it uh it is done but uh, so as you 
got out and, and were working for the stock trading outfit, at what, what led you to your first real entrepreneurial venture? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, I, for me, I consider trading always as like an entrepreneurial venture because in trading, uh, it's you and the computer. There's no, you know, employees as such. There's no colleagues as such. It's you doing everything from home and it's an entrepreneurial venture. And it's also like a eat what you kill business. If you don't make money trading, well, you're not going to make anything. So that was my first uh, taste of entrepreneurship is starting something off my own and starting my trading career. And then that parlayed into eventually uh, after I, I had been doing this for about six, seven years, I teamed up with my mentor who actually taught me how to trade. And I said, why don't we team up together? And you know, you just taught me, I'm your case study. Why don't we team up and we teach other people how to trade as well. And then that's how it started in the education online space. That was my first uh, entrepreneurial venture was uh, teaching people how to do it with live traders, offering advisory services, coaching services, seminars. And that's kind of the first thing that I started. And then, you know, as you get older, as you build uh, reserves of wealth, then you're able to invest a lot more and start a lot of other ventures. So that's how you make, you know, your money work for yourself. And uh, right now, currently, I have a portfolio of about 32 different startup companies that I'm an angel investor in, and oh, just helping them and backing them grow their companies, as well as, uh, you know, try to get an exit into an IPO in the stock market. So that's right. what I'm doing at the moment. Well, as you look, and, and this will be something a lot of the listeners will be interested in in learning about if they've never tried attracting an angel investor what are some of the things you look for when you're hearing a story of an entrepreneur and the idea they've got? Yeah, definitely. So for me, I'm always looking not really so much on the concept or the idea because everybody has great ideas, but what really matters is, is the entrepreneur passionate enough to execute on it? Is he knowledgeable enough? Is he passionate enough? And more so, is he doing it for the love of the thing or is he doing it for the love of the exit, which is going public in a stock market? Because if that's what they're doing it for, just to make a quick buck and you know have a stock that go public, then usually those entrepreneurs tend not to make it because they're very short-term focused. And when they come across a little adversity, they'll end up giving up or you know they get a little buyout offer. They just first sign off that they'll sell their company. And that's a lot usually what we're looking for. We're looking for entrepreneurs that are hungry, that are driven, that are, you know, they have have a purpose behind it. Uh, and uh, that's sort of what we're looking for is their passion. Like, really, are they all in or are they just like, well, let me try this business. If it doesn't work, I'll move on to something else. So the attitude is the most important thing. Yeah. Do you have a, a parameter? Are there certain industry types that you participate with? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I'm mostly uh, some of the investments that I'm in in the financial sector, just because I have the expertise in that. So it'll be uh, financial technology, uh, new payment providers or, you know, new sorts of things coming in, in the space. So that's kind of the, where I'm focused majorly. Uh, but then we also have consumer products. There are different ones. Uh, one of them is actually a really good one uh, that I could name is called Vending Solutions. It's called Popcom. So what they're doing is they have these little kiosks that they can place anywhere. Let's say it's a music festival. Let's say it's uh, outside of pharmacy when the pharmacy is, let's say, closed, right? And now people go in, they scan their biometrics, they scan their IDs, and uh, you could get, you know, regulated stuff like medicines, like uh, liquor, like tobacco based on your biometrics from a vending machine, which doesn't exist right now. So I think that's going to be a, a really good one uh, that we're, you know, invested in. That's an example of one of them. Oh, neat. And do you... 
have a, a story about one of your investments that has taken off and doing very well, maybe not fully IPO'd yet or anything like that, but they've, in fact, you know, really grabbed some good traction and are making good progress. Yeah, there's a couple of two that I had that did really, really well. And that's one of the things with angel investing is that um, 80 or 90% of the companies you're going to invest in are never going to make it. That's just the fact. But that's why you have a portfolio of diversified companies that you get one or two that end up making public and they usually make up for that. So a couple of good ones that I had it was a drone company out of Canada um, that we they make drones, not the commercial drones for you and I to with the cameras, but they supply it to the police department, they supply it to the fire departments, you know, researching drones that uh, take a whole map of uh, of that. And then also they were during COVID, they were delivering vaccines and stuff rem in remote villages through the drones. So those are the technology that I invested in. And it's a publicly listed company at the moment. And that did really well for me. Uh, another one was in the cannabis space a few years ago. Uh, when whole, the whole thing started with the legalization. Um, so one of the invest companies that I invested in eventually was acquired, uh, bought out by another bigger company. And that was like a good result for me at that point. Are you part of a team? Do you have other partners in your angel group or is it, are you pretty much on your own? Uh, so we have like a mastermind. So we don't invest together. We do have a group of people. So we chat about different ideas. We research different ideas. We do due do, do diligence and go through different uh, concepts and different companies, but then we still make our own individual decisions, but there's a yeah. group of uh, people that we bounce ideas with each other. So kind of like your own shark tank, huh? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. You can make your own deals and, and, and independent. It, um, it has always intrigued me when, when I talk with entrepreneurs about bringing on investors, when you, do commit to a company what level of activity do you engage with uh, uh, with those owners or are you do you become an advisor to them or do you sit on an advisory board or how do you typically engage yeah so majority of them i would be just like a silent investor like i'm not going to be uh, i would say <clears throat> 60 70 percent of the investments i'm completely silent it's just a monetary investment and then there's no uh, involvement in my, although I do try any way I can support the companies. Um, but a lot of times they already have boards and things in place when they're ready to raise money. Um, so at that point, you're mostly just a financial investor. Then there'll be a few companies, I would say 30% of the companies that I would be more active role in. So in that, I could be on the board of the company or I could be having like advisory calls with the team, you know, once a week, uh, get on a call, make sure the progress is going, how we can add value. If there's any way my team can support them or maybe connect them with the right people that can help their business go further. So we usually have a call a week with our entrepreneurs and, uh, you know, try to help them any way we can. Now, do you still have your online training business? Yes. So online training business is still, you know, alive at livetraders.com. And uh, we do that every day. Uh, we live stream, we have seminars and courses and advisory services. Um, so yeah, that's a, uh, a business is still doing pretty good. So with with all this activity, and I'm going to assume you've still got your own personal trading activity that you're, you're engaged with. So yes. the, the, the question becomes one of time management. What have you found that's effective for you in, in managing all this activity that you've got going on? 
Yeah, definitely. So I think uh, the first thing is I, I don't never try to manage time. Nobody can, right? Only God can. Nobody can manage uh, time. Time happens, time goes. Everybody's got the same amount of time. And sometimes when I look at myself and I compare myself to Elon Musk and I'm like, look at him, like all these things he's doing, how is he doing it? Then I feel like, okay, maybe I need to step up. I need to be doing more. So I, I look at that and I feel like I'm not doing a whole lot. I feel like I still have more time and more things I can take on, but it really comes through prioritizing. Well, you have to have priorities. Um, there's some things uh, I assign them like a priority level. So a priority level of one means I have to get to it today. And then priority level of two means I have to get to it this week. Priority level of three will be I have to get to it this month. So I organize all my tasks in priority one, priority two, priority three. And then based on those priorities, they all happen to be on my calendar. Uh, because once they're on the calendar, then that's it. You know, like right now we're talking, then maybe at you know, about a one, 1.30, I may have another call. And then I'm just moving from a calendar to calendar to calendar. And then uh, my day is uh, organized in priority order. So I think that's one of the things is not to try to manage time, but just create that um, harmony between everything that you're doing, all the tasks. Because um, I, I don't really believe in balancing things. It's more like harmonizing things. And I, I learned that from one of my mentors. So um I think that's what we're trying to uh, really do when it comes to taking on a bunch of different tasks and also having teams, not trying to do everything on your own. Like I have, you know, my uh, executive that sometimes I might delegate the tasks to him to go out and communicate with that person. So having a team of people definitely helps. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. Well, a couple of things in what you said there, and it's ironic you, you spoke of Elon Musk. I actually use him, and I also point to Jeff Bezos in when I talk to clients about time and frustration with feeling kind of overwhelmed with the details of the day, I, I point out that, you know, there are people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos who arguably have created amazing empires of things with a lot of different activities and obviously a lot of different people. But the question becomes, and to your point, we all have exactly the same amount of time in the day. So why are some people so much more incredibly productive with accomplishments than others? And I, I do think it comes down to that idea of priority you and setting calendars. And you're right. I'm not going to argue with the idea of it's not really managing per se, but it's allocating time to the priority things you need to get done and things you know can be significant contributions to your future success. And it's it's amazing how often people are don't do well with just that part of, of their lives. I had one client uh, last year, we were sitting and talking, we had already been engaged for several months and I was doing advisory work with him about his business, and we had already made some good progress. But finally, I said, turn your screen around there and show me your calendar. And he he did. He pivoted his screen, and 
there was nothing. It was blank. And I said, how are you doing anything? And I said, no wonder you feel this kind of chaos swirling around you. You're just, you're just flapping in the wind. You're letting things come your way, change your course, change your direction. You know, how are you getting any of your one, twos and threes accomplished? And so, uh, and by the way, I like your framework there. That's, it's very simple, very direct. But anyway, it, um, I think it is so important. And if, if I may, the other thing I'll chime in on, you, you used one of my new magic words, harmony. And as we came through COVID, I was talking with, you know, clients about, um, often this notion of work-life balance came up and I said, I don't think there's, I think balance is a bad word for that. Balance implies giving something up in favor of something else because that's how a scale works. That's how you get to balance. But harmony, I think, is a good word because you've got simultaneous action still happening. But if you harmonize it, it, it's coming together. It's blending together nicely, kind of like a symphony orchestra is harmonized. But all the musicians are playing different instruments. They're just doing it at the same time, and they're doing it on the same pattern. So I think that idea of harmonizing is really important. Yeah, totally. I mean, the great example you gave about the orchestra, that's how it is. You know, you have one person, you're trying to manage one thing, it's not going to work, whereas everybody just plays their part in harmony. And, and that's life, you know, um, that life will always have things that come up. So if you're in the harmony with the, that environment and the things and tasks that are coming in, you're going to be able to tackle that. And um, some of that also comes with actually doing things that you like doing. You know, like if I like I am really passionate, like it makes me really curious about businesses and all those things like I thrive on it. So for me, it does not feel like work at all. Like I would rather work than watch something on Netflix. So everybody has to look at their time and seeing how they're allocating it. And you know what? COVID was actually a great eye opener because before COVID, everybody I heard said, you know what? Only if I had more time, I could start my new thing. If I had time, I'd start this. If I had time, I'd start that. And then some of them, you know, they were at home in COVID and the you know offices were closed. The jobs were not there. They had the time. They didn't do it. So that shows that, you know, there's a lot of uh, people need to also have integrity with their word. Whatever they're saying, make sure you really mean it. And uh, that's, I try to live by that every day. If I'm saying something, I hope like, I really, really mean it. I w don't want to say, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. Because when you have it, did you make the most of it? So I think COVID was a great eye opener for that. So if I may, Anmal, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. You, you mentioned a mentor. Uh, I am a huge fan of mentorship. And most of my listeners know my story about growing up the only child of a single mom and the one amazing thing she did was surround me with mentors at an early age and we carried it on and i've been a big fan of it my whole life participated in it both ways you know been mentored and be a mentor who are some of the other mentors that influenced your journey um yeah so uh, i would say um in, in the trading space it was my business partner right now jared wesley so he taught me how to trade, um, and I was 18 years old when I met him. And uh, so he kind of took me under his wing. He taught me how to trade, and uh, definitely immense gratitude because it, hadn't it hadn't I been in the trading world, 
other things might have not happened in life, right? How it unfolded. So I think that uh, definitely. And then in life area, in my spirituality, in life, in you know, organizational skills, all of those things, uh, James Arthur Ray, a great mentor of mine, um, he wrote the book, actually, Harmonic Wealth. That's where I got the idea about the harmony from. So I think uh, he's been a great mentor to me as well. And those two are kind of, I bounce off it. Yeah. yeah. And who else uh, or what inspired you to go your business degree route in school? So that came from, you know, having uh, growing up in an Indian household where you have to be either a doctor, engineer, lawyer, or a business owner. Right? Oh, okay. There's only four <laughs> options. So I grew up in a business family. My dad ran his own business. Uh, so he was an entrepreneur. I saw that very early on, like how much he sacrificed, how much he traveled. Like I, I barely saw him when I was, you know, younger because uh, he was traveling all around the world trying to make the business happen. So I learned grit. I learned perseverance from him. So my dad, in a way, was also uh, my mentor you know, unconsciously, he never consciously sat me down and mentored right. me, but just by observing the actions, it was a, yeah. you know, really fascinating thing to watch. And the perseverance, the grit is kind of what I learned from that. Uh, and um, some of the ideas that I wrote about in my book, I, I learned from Werner Erhard. Um, he used to have, you know, as a personal development leader back in the day. So that, I think those are kind of my circle, inner circle of mentors um, that I look for advice from. So what do you think's next for you in, in the big scheme of things? Next for me, um, you know, definitely going to continue to do my trading because I really, it's like a passion of mine. I like it and I like teaching people how to do it and getting them the results that they want. So I think that's something that I'm really dedicated towards. Um, I And the second thing I'm going to be potentially doing is sharing, you know, my advice because I think I, I bring something unique to the table uh, with the things that I've gone through and things that I've done. So I, I want to be more contributing to the world by being on podcasts and, sh you know, and shows like yours so that I'm not just keeping it to myself. If there's something I could say that it might help somebody, then that's amazing. That's great. That makes me feel, you know, really good. Yeah. So that's, that's what's next for me. Just spreading the message. If I might ask, how are you looking at the markets right now with all the uncertainty in the world, financial horizon, you know, in the U.S. here, the big debate, are we in recession, inflation, whatever, nobody knows. And so many, so many of the traditional metrics are contradictory. And so, you know, what what are you seeing in the markets as, as you're, since you're in there every day? Yeah. So I think if you're looking as a long-term perspective, like five, 10 years and plus, I don't think anything's really changed. These are all just cycles that we get all the time, right? And uh, you, you probably know more in through your lifetime, you would have seen the Greece debt crisis, this war, that war, but the market just steadily just always keeps going up. You'll get, get these wicks. So I think if somebody's a long-term investor, you don't need to worry about it. Sure, we might have a year or two of nothingness, but then eventually we're going to continue to uh, go back up. So I think long-term, there's nothing to be concerned about. Uh, these are just cycles that happen all the time and they're healthy. Because if things just always keep kept going enough without never coming down, that would have been something more scary to look for. But these things are very healthy for the markets to have those periods of correction and then uncertainty because uh, that's what moves the market. There's only two emotions that move the market, fear and greed. And learning how to read that is uh, Im you know, imperative. So, for example, for us, the way we're navigating it, uh, we exited pretty much all of our long-term investments, you know, like beginning of 2022, which was great. 
because we survived the 30%, 35% drop. And then we bought it back in December, January of uh, this year. We bought it all back. So now we're back in it again. And uh, since then, we've seen a nice comeback in the markets. And I, I do think we're 2023 is going to period of uncertainty, meaning we're not really going to go up that much in the market, but we're also not really going to go down as people expect. We're going to get a lot of back and forth is 2023. I call it the dead money period where no return should be really expected. And then 2024, I think we're going to start after the elections, we're going to start to uh, you know go back up again. But until then, there's going to be that uncertainty. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty wise. I, I have a, a good friend who's a lifelong, you know, business leader. He's he's made most of his money in commercial real estate. But when we talk about the stock market, he is quick to remind everybody that everything seeks equilibrium. So there's a there is an undeniable core value in an equity. And even though the market around it may just go nuts and, and take a run up, real run, high run, there will be a, a level setting and a, a dose of reality that it'll come back down again. So that's the, because uh, it'll come back down to that point of equilibrium where the real value of the equity sits. And it, uh, you know, I, I think it's definitely wise words to think about because, you, you to your point, greed and fear is is what drives. And if if people lose their rational basis about where the real value of a particular company is, um, you're going to make bad decisions about it. Yeah, and you know, re reversion to the mean is a very real thing. And to your point, so there's two emotions: fear and greed. So when fear gets you know too much, it gets extended to the downside. When things are falling, guess what happens? We reverse back up again. Reversion to the mean when fear is at extreme. Same thing with greed. When greed is at extreme, you would have seen people are buying NFTs, you know, JPEGs. People are doing all sorts of stuff. Because greed has just got out of control. <laughs> so then we get the reversion to the mean. We come right back down. So that's a very healthy market dynamic that anytime we get too away in the greed direction or the fear direction, we always snap back. So uh, oh, there's always a baseline in the markets that we revert back to. Uh, so yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you what, Anmal, I think this has been great, and thank you for sitting in. We're going to kind of wrap things up, but uh, tell people uh, how to best get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more about the things you offer. Yeah, definitely. So if they're interested in learning more about trading, you could go to livetradersguide.com where you can get my uh, free guide, and it'll give you a lot of good information to start off with, and that'll tell you if you're interested in the markets or not. And then you could decide to proceed further. Uh, so that would be the best way if you're interested in trading. If you want to get in touch with me, Instagram and Twitter is where you can find me. Uh, my username on both of those is Delta90, spelled out, D-E-L-T-A-N-I-N-E-T-Y. Don't ask me why I have the username. Got a long time ago. But uh, <laughs> because it caught traction, I don't want to change it anymore. But yeah, Delta90 is where they can find me on Instagram gotcha. and Twitter. Gotcha. Well, that's great. And as always, folks, we're going to have that info in the show notes so you can click the link there that'll be in the, in the uh, footnote there. But uh, Anmal, one last time, thank you, man, for sitting in. This has been helpful. Well, thank you. It was great chatting with you.
Yeah, likewise. Well, folks, we're going to remind you that uh, we have a video version of this over on YouTube, a channel by the same name. And I would certainly appreciate if you're uh, listening right now, if you'll drop a review on your favorite streaming channel or go over there to YouTube and um, hit a thumbs up or thumbs down, whichever your preference, and leave us a comment. But uh, for now, we're going to sign off, say goodbye, and hope to see you again real soon. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.